ever been in love with somebody that's not in love with you back? I think that's got to be the worst pain in the world, where you'll bend over backwards to do anything for that person. Stop everything you're doing just to make that person happy. It's almost better than a drug. You hope that that person will finally recognize what you have to offer and what you've been giving. And as the days go on and the more you give and the more you want and the more you dream about having that person feel like you, the more pain you endure. How to keep going on? How do you sustain the energy, the drive, the desire? How? Through love. It's just something you can't help. Nobody plans on falling in love. And we're lucky if once in our lives we fall in love with someone that's in love with us too. But what about that person that is not in love with the person that's in love with them? Don't you think that they feel pain too? Never being able to live up to what that person who's in love with them wants them to be? It's a constant state of pressure. It's not healthy. You wind up thinking to yourself all the time, he's such a great guy. He does everything for me. He's changed for me. He's taken good care of me. What is wrong with me that I can't allow myself to fall in love with this man? It's such a sad state of affairs because it could be perfect. It's like turning on a switch that's off. But there are so many of us out there that live by the truth. You can't turn on an imaginary switch when it's in the off position. Sometimes we can't even find the switch at all. What is the right thing to do? Is the right thing to tell the truth and let that person who's madly in love with you know that you're not in love with them, but you do love them? I mean, there is a huge difference between loving and being in love. I've tried to explain it. I don't know how much more I can take, or even worse, how much more he can take. You can't buy my love. You can't beg for my love. You can't put in my face what you've done for me, for my love. It's a no-win situation. I just have to, want to, feel that spark. That's what you have to do. I mean, without the spark, it's like kissing your brother. Ew. It just doesn't work. I wonder how much longer somebody can last like that. How long will a person go on giving and giving and giving and hoping and praying and having anxiety attacks? How long? I only feel self-preservation if it was me in that situation who was madly in love with somebody. I believe I'd have to walk away or I'd stay and keep my eyes wide open looking elsewhere, praying to find somebody to get me out of this mess. It's hard to just walk away from somebody that does everything for you, but it's even harder to stay knowing that it's not the truth. There is no silver lining here. That's what I think I'm trying to say. I'm the type that always looks for the silver lining. That glass is always half full in my book or ready to be filled. I can't see it. It's like saying, can you see the forest through the trees? 
I wonder if a person who is in that situation is just stuck and doesn't know how to get out. Love should never be stuck. If you're married after 25, 28 years, I don't care how many years, if you are not in love with the person you're married to, where in the beginning you may have been, you can either try and fix it, but more often than not, once you've reached that point of no return, you're doing damage to yourself as well as your partner by staying. Because it's not real. It's habit. It's habitual to stay with somebody because it's more comfortable to know that somebody will bring you that proverbial cup of tea in the middle of the night. I'm just not like that. I mean, who cares about the tea? Yes, I love to be in love. There's no greater feeling in the world. And do I want it? Hell yeah. Do I have it? No. If you do, you are the luckiest person in the world. Really, even if it lasts for only a year or two, as long as it's not infatuation. I mean, infatuation is loads of fun, but then people start to expect things from each other. What's happening at the next level? Why do there always have to be levels? Why can't you just take it one day at a time and accept each other for who you are and enjoy that day and enjoy the next day or make a plan for the next week? Always have something to look forward to. That's what makes life enjoyable. And if you fall in love, great. If you don't, stop trying to push the other one to feel like you do. As I've said, I was in my late 40s before I finally understood that not everybody thinks like me. <laughs> 40. <laughs> and my husband had to be the one to tell me. I thought everybody thought just like I did. And I was so flabbergasted over a situation where one of my best friends just didn't get what I was trying to say. And that's when I found out. Robin, do you really believe that everyone in the world thinks just like you? And I said, yes, why wouldn't they? But it's not true, and I've come to realize I was wrong for the majority of my life. But the friends that I did choose did think more like me. Thank God for small favors. And there are people out there like me. But then there are those other people, the ones like him or her or your guy that you're not in love with. They're great people. They mean the world to you. But you can't imprint love on somebody's forehead. It's not a permanent tattoo. It's like henna. It'll wash off. You can try, but to no avail. That spark hits you when it hits you, and you know it. It's like whiplash. Whoa! What the hell was that? It's electric. You can even look at your arms and see the hair stand up. That's the kind of love I want. And if you're married and you don't have that anymore, don't you dare blame it on the fact that you took vows till death do us part and we are getting what we deserve and we're comfortable Hell to the no. There is no such thing as being comfortable. 
You should always have that feeling of wanting to get home to be with that person. Yes, you always should have your own life, your own passions, your own skills, work, whatever, kids. But man, you need to want to be with that person. You need to need to be with that person. You need to be held tightly. And you need to feel like a woman again. You can't run and you can't hide from the fact that you want that. And you're not too old and it's not too late to get it. Open your eyes, girlfriend. Look in the mirror. Are you really happy with where you are? Or are you settling? It might just be time to make a change. And that worrying about what's on the other side... Forget about it. It can't be worse than where you are now because you're stuck. I'm stuck. There's many of us out there that just don't want to make that change. Take that risk because it could be worse than what you have now. Well, no, I'm here to tell you I've done it and it's not worse. It's liberating. It's scary, but you're open. You're wide open. You can see clearly there is no more film in front of your eyes. It's like you stopped taking the drugs to cloud your vision. Go. Try. I guarantee you, if you're in a loveless marriage, he's not going to put up much of a fight. Because he's probably feeling the same thing. If you can't fix it, as I always say, get out. Let me know how that goes. I'm here to talk whenever you'd like. Real Sugar Mom at gmail.com. And my name is Robin Marshall. I'm America's number one sugar mom. I take risks. They don't always work, but I can at least feel proud to know that my kids see that I take risks. I'm not afraid to try new things. And that's the one thing that I've said to my children their whole lives. You must try one new thing every day. If you don't like it, fine. At least you tried. Even if it's just eating green beans, try something new every day. Let me know how it goes. Tell me what you've tried. And feel free, please, to subscribe to my podcast on iTunes. It's free. And we talk about stuff like this. Sometimes I get a little bit nutty. Other times I stay focused right on this track. You're welcome either way. It's Sugar Mom on iTunes or go to my website, sugarmom.net. And now I just want to jog your memory a little bit. I think you're going to remember many of the things I'm putting in front of you. Take a deep breath. Here it comes. Close your eyes and go back. Before the internet or PC or the Mac, before semi-automatics and crack, before PlayStation, Sega, Super Nintendo, and even before Atari, before cell phones, CDs, DVDs, voicemail, and email, go way back, way back. I'm talking about hide-and-seek at dusk, red light, green light. Playing kickball and dodgeball until the first, no, second, no, third streetlight came on. Red Rover, Red Rover, 
London Bridges, Ring Around the Rosie, Hot Potato, Hopscotch Jump Rope, you're it! Parents stood on the front porch and yelled or whistled for you to come home. No pagers or cell phones. Take one giant step. May I? Seeing shapes in the clouds. Endless summer days and hot summer nights with no A.C., the windows open, and the sound of crickets. Waiting and waiting for that loose tooth to fall out so the tooth fairy would leave you a quarter under your pillow. And sometimes, if we got lucky, she'd leave a note. Running through the sprinkler. Cereal boxes with that great prize in the bottom. Cracker Jacks with the same thing. And ice pops with two sticks you could break and share with a friend. But wait, there's more. Watching Saturday morning cartoons. Tom and Jerry, Serial Adventures, Captain Midnight, Cisco Kid, The Lone Ranger. Catching lightning bugs in a jar. Christmas morning. Your first day of school. Coloring inside the lines. Bedtime prayers and goodnight kisses, climbing trees, swinging as high as you could in those long swings to try and reach the sky, a million mosquito bites and sticky fingers, jumping down the stairs, jumping on the bed, pillow fights, running home from the Western movie you just saw till you were out of breath, laughing so hard that your stomach hurt, being tired from playing, work meant taking out the garbage, cutting the grass, washing the car, or doing the dishes, Having your mom take you to the library. That huge building that held books for free. Your first crush. Your first kiss. I mean the one that you kept your mouth closed and your eyes open. Rainy days at school and the smell of damp concrete and chalk erasers. Oh, I'm not finished yet. Kool-Aid was the drink of the summer. So is a swig from the hose giving your friends a ride on your handlebars of your bike, trying desperately to stay awake to see Santa, and wondering how he fit down the chimney, attaching pieces of cardboard or playing cards to your bike frame to rub against your spokes, wearing your new shoes on the first day of school, class field trips with soggy sandwiches, when nearly everyone's mom was at home when the kids got home from school, when a quarter seemed like a fair allowance, and another quarter, a miracle. Two cans and a string. It was magic. We could talk in separate rooms and hear each other. When any parent could discipline any kid or feed him or use him to carry groceries and nobody, not even the kid, thought a thing of it. When your parents took you to the cafeteria and it was a real treat. Having a pet cricket and thinking it was the same cricket every time it came to your house. When being sent to the principal's office was nothing compared to the fate that awaited you at home. Basically, we were in fear for our lives, but it wasn't because of drive-by shootings, drugs, gangs, or anything. We simply just didn't want our parents to get mad at us. Didn't that feel good just to go back and say, yeah, I remember that. Well, let's keep going. Let's go back to the time when... Decisions were made by going eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Mistakes were corrected by simply explaining do-over. And race issues meant arguing about who ran the fastest. Remember letting your dog out the front door and knowing he'd just come back? <laughs> 
catching fireflies could happily occupy an entire evening. It wasn't odd to have two or three best friends. And the worst thing you could catch from the opposite sex was cooties. (laughs) Finding Easter eggs all over the front lawn. Making angels in the snow. Seeing your very first snowflake up close and personal. It was a miracle. The shape. It looked like a star. Nobody was prettier than Mom. Scrapes and bruises were kissed by Mom and made better. Getting a foot of snow was a dream come true. Abilities were discovered because of a double-dog dare. Spinning around, getting dizzy, and falling down was cause for giggles. Roasting marshmallows. The worst embarrassment was being picked last for a team. Water balloons were the ultimate weapon. If you can remember most of all these, then you've lived during a more pleasant, simpler time. I wonder how many of you remember these things. Those of you who do remember will have lived in an era that no one else will ever experience. The era has passed, and slowly those of us who lived it are passing also. If you don't remember, then ask your parents, grandparents, or great-grandparents. We went from AM radio to designing our own digital formats, putting them on pause, and being able to pick right up where we left off. Your era is here. Be a part of it. Make it worthwhile for future generations to build on. And most importantly, don't forget about milk and cookies. I'm Robin Marshall, and... I added a few of my own little tidbits in there. You might want to do the same. But unfortunately for me, I don't know who wrote this, but I certainly lived it. Did you? Now stay close. I'm Robin Marshall, also known as Sugar Mom, and I want to bring you inside of me to share how I'm feeling lately. It's almost like there's a line in the sand. Just lend me your ear. It's Robin Marshall. I should say a very frustrated Robin Marshall, because lately I'm starting to feel like nothing in my life is normal. It's always the extreme, black or white. There's no gray anywhere in my life. Now, I don't mind the fact that things in my life are different, spicy, entertaining, compelling. But when I feel like I'm stuck and I'm not allowed to move forward, backwards, or to the sides because I have to watch what I do on behalf of somebody else. What in the world good am I to anyone? Let me just give you an example. I have one child that says she doesn't want to be my Facebook friend because she doesn't like my attitudinal ways. And so I'm fine. We block each other and I still get to say what I want to say. I have another child that thinks just like me. I mean, I could read her posts and think to myself, damn, I wish I had her on my social media team because she's that good. There's the black and white for me and the three that are in the middle, you know, they sort of fade in and out. But then I've been involved in the craziest relationships. I mean, no woman could have survived what I've gone through with these men as my mother would say. 
these men are going to drive you to drink. <laughs> You're too late. I'm already there. First, I was dating somebody that was brilliant when it came to book smarts, freaking stupid when it came to emotional things. And you know, I really tried to make that work. But I know myself well enough to know that when I say it's time to throw in the towel, it is beyond the norm. Like, I had to be comatose to have stayed through that whole relationship and allowed it to grow to the extreme it did. I don't know what I could have been thinking. So that relationship ended with me just about having to put a restraining order out on him. Not that I'm a saint, but come on. You and I both know what it's like to be hounded by somebody and belittled and berated and browbeat. This man was the king. Anyway, he's gone. He's out of my life. And you know what he does? He calls my friend. And he talks to him. And he, he just, he won't leave him alone. He talks to him about life and about cars and space and the news. And, and in the middle of everything, he'll say to my friend, Have you heard from Robin? And my friend is telling me all of this. And he keeps telling the guy, No, man, I haven't talked to her in a while. I finally said to him two days ago, how much longer can you hold out saying you've not talked to me before he knows that you're lying? And why are you even allowing him to call you? Just when I think I'm understanding somebody that I've known for 10 years, I've called him my best friend for what feels like forever. What the hell is he talking to him for? What does he stand to gain? That's what I think I'm looking for. And if he's listening... I hope he calls and says to me, you know what? Mind your own freaking business. I don't know. I just, I find it odd that there's that line of communication going that he knows is cavalier. He knows that punchline is going to fall right in the middle of the paragraph that they talk about. Have you heard from Robin? How's Robin? Does she ask about me? No, you imbecile. I don't. Just in case you're smart enough to be listening to this. And I'm not talking to my friend. I'm talking to the imbecile. I do not ask about you. I do not even think about you. And I don't even like to talk about you. So I don't know why I am right now. All right. So I've got that out of my system. And then we move on to the relationship I'm in, which I'm really not allowed to talk about. That's it. I've got a gag order. I am not allowed to discuss who I am with, why I'm with him, how long I've known him, and how I feel about him. So here I sit with a zipper across my lips. Well, this is as close as I get to a zipper. But I can't tell you any details. I can't say anything that I feel except frustration, which I assume is clear to you, my friend. But I walk around my house, and I have this person here. And it's wonderful. But I can't talk about it. I can talk to him. It's almost like I'm living in some surreal world that I'm not allowed to cross the line in the sand. My whole world is made out of sand. <laughs> I'm always crossing the line. Okay, so if I can't talk about him and it's a very important element in my life, I can talk about my job. You know, I sit here and 
I work by myself because my whole staff works from home. And we connect through a messenger system all day long. This means on any given day, I'll see no one in my face, like in my space here in front of me, for what could be two days at a time. Because I'm in my studio, I have no TV in here, because I'm recording and I'm talking to you, doing my job, talking to my staff via, and I don't even want to tell you this, but I'm going to, we use AIM. Go ahead. Get your laughing out now. AIM. That's right. AOL's AIM from the 90s. The thing that I used to sneak around and read what my kids were writing back then in the 80s or 90s. That is the extent of my communicating with people all day. And then my surreal boyfriend comes home, and he's the only real person I see. Now do you understand how frustrating this is? I can see him. I can talk to him. But none of you are allowed to know anything about it. It's absolutely freaking crazy. (sighs) But I'm dealing, and I'm doing, because I don't want to upset this apple cart any more than I've already and I've done a good job. Then I have Facebook. And I love Facebook because those people are like, they're my online friends. Thank God for them because I'd have nothing else. I'm not sitting here feeling sorry for myself, I swear. It's just so bewildering to be in the communications industry and not be able to communicate. (sighs) And on top of that, having five kids at any time of the year Two out of five of them will be aggravated with me over something stupid, something that they would do exactly the same thing I would do, but they don't admit to it because I'm their role model, for God's sake. Stubborn is as stubborn does. Is that how that saying goes? And I have my dog, my little savior. I saved her, and now she's saving me when she's not shitting on the carpet. (laughs) I don't even get upset about that anymore. I look forward to doing something different on a daily basis. I wonder if she went in this room. Hmm, let me look in that room. Anything to change it up. (laughs) That's it. You know, when he gets here today, I'm going to sit down and have a serious conversation with him. I can't live like this. I mean, I couldn't even tell you what I did over Christmas break. And I'm usually so open, forthcoming, transparent, and this woman kept her mouth shut. I guess it just shows you're never too old to learn how to be something else. I mean, the highlight of my week last week was we cleaned out the garage. That is ridiculous. If you know me, it takes a lot more to make me stimulated than cleaning out a garage, but it made me happy. It was a normal thing. I did a normal thing. And now look at me. I'm ranting and raving over stupid nothings. Now, daily, I look forward to hearing from my kids. I've never been that mother. I call them when I want to talk to them. I'm now sitting by my phone waiting for them to call or calling them daily. Where did the old Robin go? Mm -mm -mm. So the next time I have something important to talk to you about, 
I'm going to make sure it's not fluff. This is fluff. It's fluffy. I'm not a fluffy person. I need depth. I need good things to talk about, new things to experience. I just need show prep, anything to talk about other than myself. That's the bottom line. So thank you for listening to this nonsense. And please do look forward to me talking about something important next time. Until then, ta-ta. It's Robin Marshall, America's Sugar Mom. A Westwood One podcast production.